welcome to the Joyful Nourishment Podcast, a place for conversations around all things food, eating, body image and nourishment. Here we'll explore and unpack all the things that gets in the way of us having a kind, compassionate relationship with food and eating in our bodies and also how we can find our way back to joyful nourishment in our everyday lives. I'm your host, Lynn Thorstensen, a registered nutrition therapist and body image coach based in the west of Ireland, and I am so glad that you're here. Welcome to this solo episode of the Joyful Nourishment podcast. And in this episode, I really wanted us to look at kind of what diet culture is and how it's affecting our relationship with food eating in our bodies. And one of the reasons that I really wanted to talk about diet culture is if I'm going to be honest, like when, even when I moved into this space as, as a professional, having trained as a nutritional therapist, and then deciding to work primarily with people around the relationship with food eating and body image, like in the beginning, like say going back maybe 10 years ago or so. I didn't hear that much conversations around diet culture or it simply wasn't, at least not on my radar. What I felt was that there was a lot of conversation around how these things would manifest for the individual and some of the underlying causes or reasons why an individual would develop um, a difficult relationship with food and eating and in their bodies. It just didn't seem to be that much conversation, or maybe I just wasn't looking in the right places, but around sort of the the sociocultural part and what we kind of what we have named diet culture and how that would also have such a big impact on us as an individual when it comes to how we relate to food, our eating experience, and how we relate to um, our bodies and the relationship we have with our bodies. So I'm somebody who believes that eating disorders, disordered eating um, is a biopsychosocial disorder. It is. It has many components. I don't particularly view it as a mental illness alone. I think there is psychological in- underpinnings for sure. And it shows up with psychological difficulties um, and that fits into the mental health space or mental illness space, if you want to call it that. But there's also physiology that is driving part of this. So the malnourishment, the starvation, the restriction, all has physiological impacts on the body, on our physiology. And the the part that I wanted to talk about today is really then the, this, the social aspect of it that there is also um, the environment that we live in. And of course, you know, our caregivers, our parents, they still live in the same culture. So even when there has been an influence of, which is not the case for all people, they struggle around their relationship with food and eating. But when there's been, um, you know, dieting from a young age because of well-meaning parents, um, like and also the cultural messages that we all swirl around it like even when we've had this experience because we grew up in with dieting mothers or 
fat phobic parents or fat phobic grandparents that influenced um you know how they positioned food um for us i think you know they still live in the same culture so i'm not saying here that we're here to necessarily blame parents or grandparents or the caregivers for how a relationship with food has turned out we can have compassion for them knowing that they've grown up in this similar kind of culture and are influenced by the same messages that we are today and the messages that we are trying to untangle ourselves from as we're on this healing journey. So, yeah, so like I didn't hear much about it, but like what is then, um, you know, what is diet culture? How do we define it? So I've picked a definition here that I came across um, by Shelby Gordon from a presentation that she did on weight stigma in healthcare um, for the Center for Mindful Eating in June 2023. So the definition that she uses is diet culture refers to a rigid set of expectations about valuing thinness and attractiveness over physical health and emotional well-being. Diet culture often emphasizes good versus bad foods, focuses on calorie restriction and normalizes self-deprecating talk. <laughs> diet culture is toxic and it can be a risk factor for body dysmorphia, disordered eating and other mental health issues. And also to note, um, and again, I am still on the learning journey with all of this, as you uh, might be, and it's noting and noting that diet culture has roots in racism, colonialism, eugenics, and that this system of body hierarchies are embedded in our cultural fabric, and it is really everywhere. So part of the reasons it's again, it's not always the sole reason, but it can be a part of, it can be one of the contributing factors that sort of tips us over the edge or gets us thinking. And that if I don't feel comfortable in my body, about my body, there is this message all over the place that is telling me consciously and subconsciously, like, very overt or covert, a bit more subtle, that if I could get control over my body, if my body would just look like the current conventional beauty standards, everything will be okay. I will be liked, I will have money, I'll be successful, life will be really good. And I think when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, this is pre-social media, which makes me feel really old when I think about it. But the messaging that Finn is in was still there, like, but it wasn't so in your face in the same sense, because most of the exposure was on advertising in magazines. And then, of course, we would be exposed to it at home or in surrounding environments if we had you know, caregivers, um, family members who would be dieting, who'd already be bought into this process. I can still remember as a teen being fixated on my body. And I think maybe this is also part of because our bodies are particular as, as females, um, our bodies are changing as we are moving into puberty and going through puberty. 
And these changes that happens to our body as part of this process, you know, our bodies are literally changing. They're supposed to. And that can feel so uncomfortable because it's so different. And we're just having to get used to our bodies being different. But in the midst of that, and a way of trying to deal with this discomfort, just the, the, the aspect of that there's something outside myself that is tangible, that can help me control or at least give me a sense of control when things feel outside of my control is so alluring it just like on one level it makes perfect sense until we end up in a place where our relationship with food is not in control we feel really out of control but I think I, I mean I knew I grew up I knew that you know models and bodies were airbrushed and and things and I suppose, you know, I knew I knew that, but I didn't really understand how much of this is like, like driven from a way of making money that the beauty industry is worth and the diet industry is worth something like there's different figures floating around, but around 50 to 77 billion dollars annually, which is a huge amount of money. And that means that when we are feeling insecure about our bodies, somebody is making money off that. And that's, again, not to say that, you know, how we want to dress, we want to wear makeup or, or do things to our bodies. We can do that if that is, feels life enhancing. But we also have to be aware that, you know, maybe we have consumed some of these um, messages. And it's also kind of like this thing that, you know, I don't think I ever questioned why I was so, why I so much wanted my body to be different to what it was, why I wanted it to look a specific way, why I wanted it to be smaller. I didn't kind of question, like, where do these values come from? Like, where did I pick them up? And I think that that can be really helpful because are these our own internal values or are these somebody else's values and which ones do I want to hold on to? And if you have internalized these messages that thin is better and being thin at all costs is, you know, is desirable and that is going to make your life easier and it's going to give you a lot of things, then that is, yeah, you know, there's, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. This just means that we've internalized the messages with, from this cultural obsession with thinness and the, also alongside that, that there is weight stigma and weight oppress, oppression that is still, you know, that is, is ongoing every day. And you know, your life might be easier if your body is smaller. That might be a real reality. And that might protect you from certain levels of weight stigma and weight discrimination. So that's real. Like, and that's real. And your wants or desires of your body to be different are totally valid. And holding those alongside this 
knowing that the dieting doesn't work is so hard and a lot of the work is kind of holding those opposites at the same time I think so when we talk about diet culture as well is to realize that it really hurts everyone and this is why I think for us as a collective wanting to move through that wanting to move forward from that it's like realizing that no matter what your body looks like or what size your body is currently at it still hurts everyone but it proportionally hurts people in larger bodies more because of um the weight stigma unsolicited body comments um unsolicited weight loss advice at the doctor's office when somebody's coming in for something totally unrelated stereotyping but of course it also so like that's you know that's there's no argument with that and I think part of dismantling diet culture is part of like really pushing back against this stereotyping this discrimination and that's you know working towards a, a world where all bodies are cared for and valued just by existing and then if if you know if that's where you find yourself you know wanting your body to be smaller to shield from that that is so valid and so understandable so you know that there's nothing wrong with you if that's what you want and desire because i can i feel sometimes again in the in the non-diet spaces that doesn't always come across that the desire of wanting things to be different is totally okay it's how we pursue that or how we work with that when we know that dieting just isn't effective long term and that it can also be harmful and if we want to heal our relationship with food it's just it's it's like it just doesn't work the two of those are at opposite ends of each other Diet culture, of course, also hurts people in smaller bodies because of the fat phobia that we've internalized and the fear of weight gain, even when weight gain is actually a necessity for health, for, you know, living in a body that's actually healthier. Weight gain is not always bad. Um, and is it is it bad at any time? I don't know. But it's it's um it's that kind of because we have all you know observed this um absorbed these messages of like you can never be um thin enough so people in smaller bodies still feel this need to diet and this is what's kind of maybe looks crazy on the outside from a person who's never been caught in this cycle i mean there are a few um that even people in smaller bodies still feel like they're not thin enough or that their bodies aren't good enough or up to scratch or that there's stuff that is wrong with them and if their body was just a little bit smaller or they weighed a little bit less things would be fine and so the messaging that we've internalized is the same across the board regardless of what somebody's body actually looked like but externally the weight stigma and weight oppression and discrimination is only happening to people who live in bodies that are that don't fit societal norms. 
So I, I want to be clear about that. But if we say, just could imagine living in a world where nobody really cared what other bodies look like and, you know, bodies across the spectrum was accommodated in spaces, there was adequate, you know, seating that was comfortable, whether it's on a plane or in a restaurant or in a doctor's office. So that this wasn't a thing or that we, you know, this wasn't something that was so focused on. And I suppose that our internal sense of self-worth wasn't so heavily tied to what our bodies looked like and what our weight was. Maybe some of these eating issues that um, I help people with would just not really be a thing. And I do want to share with you here that it is my vision that maybe one day I will be out of a job because this isn't something that people are struggling with anymore. So divesting or moving away from diet culture and dieting is something that we really have to work on when we or if we want to heal a relationship with food and healing this internalized fat phobia which also helps us to create a better body image or release some of that body image distress will always be an inside job because we might think that for me to feel more comfortable in my body i will i will if i can just fix it or change it or alter it so that it fits and maybe momentarily I will feel better, but because our bodies are these living, breathing, malleable, ever-changing things, even if I do feel more elated or more comfortable when my body looks feels a certain way, that is always going to be quite precarious because my body is changing. It can change at any time due to illness, medication, aging injuries you name it if they, they change they're meant to change as well and so if you can work on changing how you think about your body and building capacity for being comfortable in your body and the experience of living through your body that is what's going to improve your body image in the long term that's what's going to give a more grounded place to to kind of navigate all of this from and the other thing that i suppose i wanted to mention here too is that beauty standards really shift over time and if you look back i've seen a couple of different things online um over the years where uh, somebody did like a, a little video of pictures of women's body we mostly talk about women's body here because most of the time the focus has been on that over i think about a hundred year span and you could just see how it's gone from curvy to thin to curvy to thin to different kind of accentuation different features of the body's big booties or big boobs or small waist and that it's always changing depending on what's trendy so most of us might never fit to that. And even people who do fit to whatever happens to be the conventional beauty standards often find themselves then living in worries that this is going to be taken away because, again, their bodies, our bodies are changing. 
So hanging our self-worth on what our bodies look like is always going to be precarious kind of ground. And I think that's one of the things that I want to, yeah, to, to bring home to you. And that's not to say that working on establishing a better relationship with our bodies is easy. I think it's an ongoing practice. And I see that even for myself as somebody who I would consider having been, you know, recovered for God, at least 15 years, then, you know, I still find myself um, negative about my body or thinking, oh God, if it was this way or that way, maybe things would be better or different. But the difference is that I um I just notice the thinking and I notice what are the things that I can do to take care of myself and what are our behaviors and habits and stuff that feels helpful. And also knowing that actively dieting is just not an option for me ever again, because that would do so much damage to my relationship with food um, that I'm just not willing to sacrifice. And I know for sure that that is going to be it's just not going to work for me in in that sense and I am very protective of my relationship with food these days because it took a long time to get here and you know feeling free and and being able to enjoy food and having lovely experiences around it and not be thinking about it most of the time either and just being able to live my life without consumed by this I'm protected of that, protective of that. And I don't want to, it's not a road that I want to go back to. So even dietary changes that could potentially have impacts on my health, if they are too restrictive, it just won't work for me. I just can't do it because it would just jeopardizing my relationship with food too much. So that's a little bit about me in that thinking so I have a question for you that I would like you to think about and that would be if you spent the next week just paying attention to see where diet culture shows up in your daily life yeah where where do you notice it is this something that you've been you know have you been thinking about this already um or is there something you know, is this new? Because the thing is that when you start paying attention to it, you will find it everywhere. Like it's in, of course, in the obvious places like commercial ad, commercials, advertising, billboards, those kinds of things. But more so, you tend to start noticing in everyday conversations with friends, family, colleagues, and what I have seen happening when I've had these discussions with my clients and they're on this trajectory or moving away from diet culture is that it can be so lonely because this is how we socialize as women. This is how we kind of connect and bond with one another over what we've eaten or didn't eat or what we're thinking about eating or if somebody's present something, say something that's sugary. Uh, and and maybe tasty is um you know you will hear these things like 
oh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm really trying to be good. So I really shouldn't. But then they proceed to eat the, the muffin or cake anyway. Or, you know, blank refuse. No, no, I, I'm on this time. I'm trying to, you know, lose a few pounds or I'm minding my health or any, any version of those. Or if you decide to eat the thing, and if people have opinions about your choices or what your body looks like, or you might hear things like, are you sure you should really be eating that now? You know, have you not had enough already? Or, you know, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't if I were you or, you know, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, somebody's got a great appetite or any of number of those kinds of comments, which are really not helpful either. And this is to say that if you want to eat the cake, go ahead, do it, enjoy it. And if you feel like, actually, you don't generally don't want it right now, you can say, look, I've just eaten, I'm, it looks delicious. And, you know, could you save some for me for later? And there is things as well that we do get to say no, just stuff that we just generally don't like eating. But it's always to be aware of where is the intention behind the decision coming from because I can say yes out of obligation but it's like oh, I didn't enjoy it or I can say no from internal pressure or restriction for myself when I actually want to say yes and sometimes saying no to something like that when we want to say yes it will just result as us eating the stuff when nobody's watching so there's so much of this but What's really wonderful is when you go and have a meal with people and nobody is commenting on the food other than how delicious it is or something they want to try or being excited about the meal and sharing foods. And like, or maybe the conversation isn't about food at all. That is rare and it's so enjoyable. And it just means that there's lots of space for conversations that has nothing to do what's on somebody's plate or whether they eat it or, or don't eat it. So, you know, and, and diet culture also gives us this kind of side serving of feeling guilty about what we're eating. So even if we enjoy something and genuinely enjoy it, that's pleasurable. But if it's kind of a food that's been put in this category of bad um, by diet culture, and that can change depending on what diet trends are trending. Even if I'm eating it and enjoying it um, with a group of other people or even on my own, I might still feel this like, oh, yeah, I know I really shouldn't be enjoying this though. And you feel guilty. You feel guilty for eating it. And it's like, but it's food. And if you enjoy it, what's wrong with that? You know, can we just enjoy the food and move on? Or if we eat something we don't enjoy, we just make a mental note of that and go, yeah, no, that, that didn't suit me. Or sometimes we have the experience of eating something that's enjoyable um, and it tastes good, but then we'll get a stomach cramp or headache or something afterwards. So our body kind of goes, yeah, I didn't enjoy that that much, but the marriage maybe did. So, you know. Those, that's information that can help you make informed choices or what, um, what sounds good or what doesn't. But anyway, back to the conversation where diet culture shows up in daily life. Yes, I invite you to start 
paying attention unless you're doing this already and to see where is it showing up and what are the conversations and with people that it's more likely to show up and where people are are really talking about the latest diets they're doing or the foods they're eating or not eating or any of those things and is there other conversations that can be had particularly if you're in a space where you're trying to move away from this and you don't want to be talking about it because it's just not really helpful for your own journey of trying to heal your relationship with food and eating see if you can if you find yourself in that situation there I think there's a couple of things we can do one is to kind of try to like to say nothing and just be quiet and just think about something else another one is to try to steer the conversation in a different direction a third one might be to say look you know I don't find this particularly interesting I I'm trying to like not talk about diets or dieting I'm moving away from dieting so is there something else we can talk about um if people are open to and you want to discuss why you're doing that and you feel ready for that sure then you can do that but we don't we don't always want to go in those direction either um depending on company the people how well you know people and stuff like that and then if it just doesn't stop just remove yourself from the conversation leave the room go outside do something different because you know, if it is too much and you're really trying to protect yourself and your own boundaries around this, sometimes the only thing that is possible is to leave. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't have a lot of diet culture talk in my own life at present. However, I am surprised how it still shows up sometimes just randomly in just comments, um, even when it's not actually used as a bonding, but just it's like, it's so insidious. And I think we're so used to sort of saying, um, you know, saying these things. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm trying to be good or I really shouldn't. But, you know, I'm just going to do it just for today. You know, tomorrow I'll be good again or whatever. Any of that sort of nonsense. So the the other thing can, that can happen as well is like when we stop engaging in these conversations with people. Um, we might find that we don't have all that much to talk about with the same people because maybe this was was always the main topic of conversation. So when we are moving towards something else and we want to have, we don't want to have this conversation anymore, we could find it harder to kind of connect with people if you are in environments at work, for example, where this tends to be how um, people are socializing. So, yeah, I recognize that that can leave things a little bit um, challenging because I've had people say that. It's like, well, I don't know what to talk about with my colleagues anymore now because they all just want to talk about dieting. And I'm not interested. So, you know, yeah. Lots of care to you as well if you find yourself in that space. I do want to mention as well that when we're trying to move away from dieting and diet culture, a lot of things can come up. It can be, you know, we might feel um, angry. We might feel like we've been duped when we learn about and understand the more oppressive nature of, of diet culture. One of the things that I've seen happening too, and for me, it was like when I learned about 
diet culture, health at every size, non-diet, weight-inclusive care, was that it really, that approach really felt as a natural alignment with my personal professional values. So it wasn't a difficult move to just step away from it. But when you stop dieting, you might also feel that um, it can get sticky, that you don't want to partake in this anymore for different reasons. And you would still want your body to look and feel different to how it currently is. So because like if dieting doesn't work, what does that mean? Am I stuck with this body that I don't like the look of? And with that, a lot of things can come up like anger, grief, sadness, frustration, and maybe even hopelessness can be part of the journey initially. And I think sometimes it's important to hold all of those feelings and realize that they're really valid too. And sometimes we have to go back and do just one more diet before, you know, if I could just lose a few, few more pounds, a few more kilos, then I'll come back and I'll work on my relationship with food. That's fine. If that's where you find yourself, that's fine. You, you get to decide what's right for you and when it's right for you. But I do want to mentioned that a lot of things can come up and sometimes people also end up in this space where the body says no to further diets and restrictions and even the mere thought of another restriction or starting another diet can just send them into a sense of panic or um just like and even find themselves binging and I think when that happens when that's like when we're in that real diet rock bottom and particularly when it's like um more of a somatic experience it's like the body just says no I can't do any more restriction I'm I'm done with the famines I know the food is available I just cannot do it and like put us in that same place of like I can't do it but what am I going to do now and often this is where people find their way to my door. It's like, I can't diet anymore. I know it's not helpful, but I just really don't know what to do. And I don't know what to do with the feelings of still wanting my body to change. And we can work through all of those things. So this is, I suppose, saying that, you know, it can be really helpful to get support if that's where you find yourself. and. If you're listening to this podcast episode, what I do want to do is to offer you hope and reassurance that things can really get better and that it's possible to find peace even in a body that doesn't look like you think it should. Or, um, and I suppose thinking about that healing our relationship with food eating in our bodies is not really about trying to fix ourselves from our bodies or ourselves or our bodies like if that sort of approach worked I don't think you would be struggling and I think if it worked it would also be like a one and done thing so dieting are really selling us a short-term solution at best and a harmful illusion at worst so part of this work when we're working to heal our relationship with food, eating in our bodies and moving away from this 
eating distress towards a place of joyful nourishment is about understanding that these messages that we've internalized are often not ours, but it's something that we've con- consumed by living in this toxic culture that, uh, that has an obsession with thinness and value thinness and beauty over physical health and mental well-being. And it's really about not fixing ourselves, but actually being open and changing, exploring how we think and care for our bodies and bringing compassion and care, like deep self-care rather than approaching things from this external place and this place of restriction and fear. So I also think one of the things when I might have talked spoken about in in my own story in the very first episode of this podcast series is that eating issues gives us so much shame and we it tends to be a very lonely and isolating experience and when I, I was in the midst of it myself I didn't really tell anybody I don't know if anybody knew how bad it really was at the time and often what I hear from from people that I work with this as well as like, I do say you might never have heard this story before. It's like, well, only hundreds of times. And, but people are trying to be secretive and hiding and making sure nobody finds out because there's so much shame attached to it as well. And I just want to say that if this is you, it's like, know that you're not on your own. And there is a lot more conversation about it now, I think, than there was 10 years ago. Or maybe it's just me because. I'm in this bubble, personally and professionally, but also that it's not your fault and it's not just an individual issue. It's a really uh, also collective issue due to this pervasiveness of diet culture. So like shame makes us feel like we're inherently flaws and it keeps us stuck. And reaching out or asking for help and support doesn't make you weak. It makes you really brave and courageous. And no, I think I just want to, if you're, if you're just taking one thing away from, from this conversation today, is just know that you are worthy just as you are, your body is worthy and your body was never the problem. The culture is the problem. So I hope this has been helpful. And again, thank you so much for listening today. Come and join me over on the Joyful Nourishment Substack community. And if you have questions, leave them there. Again, thank you so much for being here. It's so appreciated. Enjoy the rest of your week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Joyful Nourishment. This podcast is produced solely by me with no financial backing and your support means a lot to keep this project going. If this episode has been helpful in any way, it really helps this podcast to help others if you click like, subscribe or leave a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. And of course, you can also subscribe so that you won't miss any future episodes find out more about what I do in my private practice and what I offer over on straightforwardnutrition.com and I am currently taking on new clients so you will find a link to book in for a free 30-minute session in the show notes if this is something you're interested in. 
And finally, please come and join the Joyful Nourishment community over in Substack by subscribing to my newsletter.